0: having a financial voice. What does that mean to you? Has your financial voice ever been taken away? Today, my special guest, Debbie O'Hara, shares her experience of not having a financial voice and what she did to get it back. Hola, hola. How's it going? This is Jen Hempel, your host. Thank you so much for being here. Having a financial voice is something I think we can take for granted when we have it until we all of a sudden don't. We may find ourselves in a tough situation like a toxic Or abusive relationship where the financial voice is stripped from us. You are about to meet Debbie, who has lived through this and managed to come out on the other side. She shares her journey and the one thing that you absolutely must do to get your financial voice back. And I'm telling you that this one thing is one of those things. I know is redundant for me to say it, but that is easy to do. But at the same time, we resist doing it. Okay, I am not going to spoil it and tell you what this is because I want you to keep listening, but I will tell you a little bit about Debbie. Deal? So Debbie is a proud bilingual money coach. She helps women going through life changes, take back control of their money, and eliminate debt with a simple budget. Her motto is that you can manage your finances, achieve your goals, and still have fun along the way without feeling restricted. And I completely agree with that. Lista? You ready? Let's go meet Debbie. Bienvenida Debbie. I'm so excited to have you here. Finally, we connected not even a year in the past six months and you came on so willingly to be a speaker at Financially Strong Latina. So I'm just so excited. I got to know a part of you through the event, but now I get to dig into
1: more of Debbie. So welcome. Oh, thank you so much. It was an honor being a part of the event and also talking to you today. I'm so excited.
0: I am too. Let's start. As you know, let's go back to your money stories. So tell us a little bit about your upbringing. What experiences, lessons have you had around money? Something that has really impacted to who Debbie is today.
1: Yeah. So I was raised in a very low income family. My dad was a truck driver, so he was never around. So I was really raised by my mom and my grandmother. Everyone in my family is Cuban. And so I'm the first generation born here. And my dad was the one that had control of the money and he was not good at it at all. (laughs) it's like if you were supposed to go left he'd go right like every single time so that was the example that I was brought up with but I was brought up with a lot of love even though there was a lot of lack financially like my mom and my grandmother they never let you feel it like you knew it but you didn't feel it you know you're surrounded by a lot
0: of love awesome so you saw your dad he was the one that was managing the money but as you say, didn't do a great job. Was there anything else that maybe you observed or anything that maybe he said or something in your family said or did that also just like you're realizing today that hmm, that has made more of an impact than I thought?
1: Yeah. You know, my mom was so smart. Like she was so smart and like whatever needed to be done, she got it done. And yet when it came to finances, she just took a back seat. Like at no point did she ever like try to grow her knowledge when it came to finances. And that really stood out to me. Like she was the type of person, if you came home, she'd be under the sink with a library book figuring out how to fix the sink. She really like was so smart. And if she didn't know a way, she found a way. But when it came to finances, there was like, I don't know if it was willing in the relationship with my dad, like where she just took a back seat, but even when she worked that night. So she would work at night when I was sleeping. And at no point did I ever see her managing money, paying a bill, like everything was to him. And then he took care of it. Now, looking back now that I'm a mom myself, and I'm married, I look back and I'm like, wow, like that was something that I really wish, like she would have done differently, you know, because if if she would have educated herself, she might not have stayed in that toxic relationship. And then that would have set a better example for me in my future. You know what I mean?
0: Right, right. Because that impacted you as an adult now. So, can you tell us a little about that?
1: Yeah. I guess the best way to say it is like my mom didn't have a financial voice at all, at all. And so I grew up with the notion, which I never believed it. I never fully believed it, but it's the example. And now I've learned so much about how much psychology plays a role in your life. Like the example, even though you can't stand the example you're watching when you're little, turns into in some part of your brain, where you end up. And I'm not saying I wasn't responsible for my part in my first marriage, but I married a man that was very much like my father. He's the one that paid the bills. My check would go in and then he would do everything with it. And he didn't know anything about it either. It was like an almost exact replica financially. And because I didn't grow up with my mom having a financial voice or giving me any kind of education at all, the only education she ever told me was, Like, Miha, you have to have your own money. So she opened up a passbook savings account for me when I was young. That was it. So I'm like, that was my financial education in, in like 30 seconds. When I married my first husband, I didn't realize it till I was out of it, like how controlling he was and how money is used as a weapon when you're dealing with someone that's controlling. So getting out of that marriage cost me so much, but being in it, I had no voice whatsoever.
0: Wow. And I want to dig into that more Mm -hmm. because when we met and you talked about the importance of having a financial voice, Mm -hmm. I never had heard that terminology like Mm -hmm. that. And I'm like, this is so good. But one thing I just want to comment on, you mentioned that your mom was super resourceful. You didn't mention a YouTube video, but you mentioned a book (laughs) to fix the sink. And so how times have changed. I just wanted to (laughs) comment on that. And then you said the past book savings I don't think you would even hear that term anymore mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I haven't heard that in a while so.
1: absolutely absolutely oh my god I'm dating myself
0: hey I think we're about
1: the same I think it. so too
0: now the financial voice mm-hmm. you speak about financial voice you speak about Money being used as a weapon against you. So Mm -hmm. if you could define what this financial voice means, what does this mean to you and why
1: is it important? What it means to me is that I believe that women especially need to be financially educated. And I don't mean like, you know, know everything about investments and things like that, but even just the basics, because when you're not a contributing factor, even in conversation to the finances in your house, you've given that up. And that's what I grew up with. My mom gave that up. She just, she handed it over to him, just like I handed it over to my ex-husband. And it's so important because with that knowledge comes power. I also am a matrimonial paralegal. So I see it a lot in my nine to five is women that give that up and don't have a say financially. Those are the ones that end up in such a bad situation when they decide to get out of that marriage because they are clueless like I was, and I'm not being judgmental. I was there. But they have no idea how to pay a bill. They don't know how to create a budget, like how to be resourceful, how to go from a two house income to living by yourself with your kids and surviving financially when you've never had that voice and that power before. So that's why I feel like in an abusive situation, like how I grew up and then how I ended up in my first marriage, not having a say is the first thing that you hand over to them and they gladly grab onto. Crazy.
0: Mm -hmm. Now, what what has been the hardest thing that you have learned from your own experience? So you've spoken to us about what financial voice is, and why it's important, but what has been for you the hardest thing that you learned from
1: your experience of not having one? My biggest lesson was that when I finally decided to get out of my toxic and abusive relationship, my marriage of course, since he was controlling, he didn't make it easy. So it was a legal battle over nothing because he wasn't going for custody of the kids. It was just to punish me financially. And by the time we were done with the divorce, I was left in a house I couldn't afford. Because again, I had never paid a bill. I didn't realize that I couldn't afford the mortgage. So I ended up losing my home. And then we ended up having to get an apartment for a little bit. And then in the meantime, I met my now husband, who's wonderful. But in those years, that I went from starting the procedure, I'm sorry, the proceedings to finally being in my new marriage, I racked up $48,000 of credit card debt. And it wasn't anything expensive, or I wasn't shopping lavishly. I wasn't going to the mall. I don't have fancy handbags. like It was just surviving for all those years. Everything and anything I could went on a credit card. Because that was the resource that you had, the credit card in terms
0: of really providing for your family.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: And you also spoke about money being used as a weapon against you. So can you talk to us about what are some
1: examples of what that looks like? I mean, as far as like when you're in, in an abusive financial situation, is that what you mean? Yes. Yes. So money is used as a resource, right? if you want to get out of a marriage, you can pay an attorney, you can move somewhere else if you have the funds. But what a controlling person does is they take away that resource for you. Like they'll take the money that's in your checking account and transfer it into an account in their own name, leaving you with nothing. There are so many ways that they can have you rack up legal fees. They can hide when you're trying to serve them with a complaint. Like there are so many ways That men, I don't want to specify just men, but where someone can try to take over the finances when it comes to that and use it as a weapon to punish you. Honestly, like leaving you when you have two little kids with absolutely nothing in the checking account, like you don't have enough to be able to buy food and your paycheck is being still directly deposited in because legally you still have to do that. And then he's just taking it all out. It's things like that. When they leave you helpless, that's power for them. Knowledge and finances is power. For someone that's abusive Absolutely. I know you mentioned that when people
0: are in situations like this, it takes a while. and for good reason, it takes a while for them to leave that type of relationship because of some of the things that you've already mentioned, right? So what do you think are the biggest fears for those that were in a similar situation to you before they make that
1: decision to say enough is enough. I'm out of here. There's so many things that like so many ways I can answer that. But one of them is going back to like the way that they are controlling is that they'll act nice in front of other people. They'll act like they're loving arms around you, like everything is fine. So that everyone around you says, oh, my gosh, he's so sweet. Oh, my gosh, he's so loving. And they have no idea what's going on behind closed doors, you know. So, again, that's controlling for them. If they can turn the people around you like to never question the relationship that you have with them. That's them casting you aside. You know what I mean? Like that's them controlling the situation. So for me, it was embarrassing to finally say to someone, and it took forever for me to finally say to someone close to me, what you see is not what's going on. Like, I want to get out of this. And these are the reasons why. And they were shocked. And they were shocked because to them, it's like, oh my gosh, like he's such a good husband. Like he's such a good man. Like he loves you. It's like, no, it's all an act. No, he doesn't. And it's embarrassing to a certain point. It's embarrassing to say to someone, I'm in a situation that I need help getting out of, not just financially, but just emotionally as well. But financially, to have to ask someone that you love to lend you money so that you can buy a used car, which I had to do because I lost my vehicle as well, like a used car so that I can get my kids back and forth and go to work. It's a level of embarrassment that I've never felt before in my whole life. And that's what I felt when I first reached out. And then when I got the love and support from everyone around me, like that's when I was like, wow, like I should have done this earlier.
0: So how long did it take for you to leave that relationship from the moment you're like, this is not good. I need to leave
1: to actually leaving. How long was that for you? I stayed way too long. We were together before we got married for eight years, and we were married for eight years. It was always a controlling relationship. And looking back now, I see signs from the very beginning, but it got really bad really fast when I started to gain my voice, when I started to realize what situation I was in. The fact that I'm mirroring, you know, I believe my marriage was worse than my parents, but I'm mirroring so much of my parents. When I started seeing my little kids, watching this toxicity that's in the house. They were four and five when I finally filed for divorce. Like having them be in the mix really propelled me to say, I've got to do something. I really do. If I didn't have them, I don't know when I would have gained the strength to do it. But having them, I was like, they deserve better and I deserve better and I need to change this. So that's when everything really went fast. When he started seeing me gain a little bit of control back in my life and be a little bit more independent, that's when everything went real fast.
0: Before we jump into today's content, keep your ears peeled for a unique reveal I'll be sharing midway through the show. It's something special just for you. I can imagine. And then so the turning point for you when you just decided this is enough was your children. Yes, absolutely. Just seeing that in your children. And I can imagine, I know you mentioned, that there was a sense, I don't know if you used, used embarrassment. And I can totally see how people can feel like that because it's like, you may have feelings of how did I let this happen? You know, I'm smart, smarter than this. Mm -hmm. Why am I in this type of relationship Mm -hmm. like that? So I can see how that, or just also, like you said, the person will say things in front of the public that makes the public or those around you, oh, this is such a fantastic partner, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) right? And spouse, so I can totally see why it's so hard. And then on top of that, and you tell me probably thoughts of, well, I haven't managed my finances. I don't know the first thing, where do I start or things like that. So I can only imagine and the mental part, it's one thing making the decision, and then the other thing is acting on it. Right? Oh, yeah. And mm-hmm. the mental part will keep you back. So mm-hmm. I can only imagine, and I just applaud you for you making that decision because it's not easy no. for anyone. No Thank you. Oh, no problem. Now, for someone that is listening that right now that is in that situation that you were in, mm-hmm. and that needs that encouragement. What would be a small step that she can take right now? To have a financial voice, and to get herself and maybe the kids are involved out of there,
1: out of that relationship. Looking back, one of the things that I realized was like a, a self-preservation mechanism that I was using is I was justifying things. So even though I knew that it was a red flag, things that happened, things he would say, how he would act, and you know, it was very abusive. And in my brain, I would like justify it because. You have to be like, no, I'm okay. The kids are okay. Like, everything's okay. Looking back, I wish I would have recognized that no, it wasn't okay. And things that don't make sense are things you should really pay attention to because it's the small moments that really let you see what's coming when it comes to dealing with someone like that. And if anyone else is out there that's listening to this, like, don't dismiss when you feel that something's not right. Like, that's another thing, too, is like, I dismiss my intuitiveness that so many of us have, I dismissed it for so many years, I saw so many things that I knew were wrong, that I was being treated wrong, things that were being hidden from me, like the controlling aspect of everything. Like, I wish I could go back and say to me back then, like, did you see that? Pay attention to that. You know what I mean? But I pushed it. And that's what made me stay in that relationship for so long. So anyone that's listening, it's like, listen to your intuition. It's so important. And it's there for a reason don't dismiss it. You know, like when you feel that something is wrong, try to process it. Don't push it to the back of your mind because that might be what makes you say, I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. And I need to leave. And then the next thing is ask for help. One of the ways that an abuser really tries to keep you helpless is by starting to, and again, I wish I could tell more people this, but they try to isolate you from the ones you love. So little by little, it'll be things like, well, instead of going to your friends, like, why don't we go to my friend's house? Like, oh, I really want to do this. So you'll spend more time with the people that surround him or the other person than the people that surround you. And then sooner or later, friends will start dropping off because they haven't heard from you in a long time and they haven't seen you in a long time. It's very calculating how abusive people behave. It's completely done on purpose. And so it makes it more difficult for when you realize that now is the time I'm gonna do something different and I need to leave. It makes it more difficult for you to ask for help if you're reaching out to someone that's like, I haven't heard from you in like a year. It's done on purpose. But reach out, like people that love you will wait and they'll understand what you're going through when you explain it to them. And if they truly love you, they're not gonna judge you. That's important to know. It's like it's just it's a matter of preserving yourself and asking for help and getting out of a toxic situation before it could possibly get worse. Because once a controlling person loses that control, that can make them snap and then a line can be crossed.
0: Absolutely. Now, you also mentioned earlier that you had racked up $48,000 in credit card debt mm-hmm. to basically support your family because that was the only option that you had at the time. Mm-hmm. And it took you two years to pay it off. Mm-hmm. And with that. There's so many ways to go about it, how to pay it off and how long it'll take people to pay it off. But we want to know what helped you to do this in two years. What was your strategy and how did you go about paying it off?
1: When I married my now wonderful husband for the longest time, I was like some of my clients. When you get out of something that's traumatic, especially about money, you just want to put your head in the sand. Like you don't want to look at what you did. I joke around on my YouTube channel. Like I put my head in the sand, like an ostrich, like a head in the sand and my rear end is sticking up. Like (laughs) I can't hide from anything, but that's, I feel it's like a human instinct is to hide. You know, like, I don't want to see it. If I don't see it, I don't know it. And then it won't affect me, but it does. It's like a house of cards. Like that is like a house of cards. You know, everything just comes crashing down at the same time. And so my husband kept telling me like, we need to look at the numbers. We need to look at the numbers. And I was also ashamed of it. Because although $48,000 was the price I paid to get out of a horrible situation with my kids, it's also now the burden I brought on to my marriage. And he was like, your debt is my debt and we'll pay it off together. But to me, it's like I married someone who had a savings, who had great credit. My credit was like negative. (laughs) If it was like a negative zero, it would have been. And so like when we finally sat down and we looked at the numbers, and again, I had never budgeted before. All of a sudden it was like a fire lit inside me. And I was like, oh my gosh, like this is where the money has been going. I can do something with this. So I started, I called up, my little one was in daycare. I called up the daycare. I negotiated a lower price. I called up my boss. I redid my hours. So I was still working full time, but leaving earlier so that I can pick up my daughter and save money on daycare. I started calling every single utility company that we had and explaining to them that, you know, like I'm trying to save money because we're on a tight budget. And by the time I finished, within a week of making phone calls, I went downstairs and I said to my husband, I just saved us $1,000 this month. And he was like, excuse. (laughs) He was like, what? I was like, I'd like to take over the finances if you don't mind. And he goes, Debbie, he's like, you want to run with it. And $1,000 turned into five and turned into 10. And within two years, I called him up, And, you know, we'd have monthly meetings. Like, it wasn't like I was doing it on my own. Like, you know, we were agreeing on everything, but he was shocked. He's like from someone who's never (laughs) paid a bill. And all of a sudden, like it was, I'll never forget, it was New Year's Eve, 2018. And I said, come here. I was like, I gotta show you something. And I just hit like sent payment and the thing went to zero, our last credit card. And we were crying and it was like, happy new year. Like, it was just the beginning of our new life. And it really started by that moment when I went from, years ago, not having a voice to looking at these numbers and being like, no, groceries was another one I cut in half. Like there's so many things you become resourceful when you need to. And that moment that I looked at those numbers changed the rest of our lives so far. That is so beautiful. Now I
0: want to know the timeline from you paid off the 48,000, I believe you said end of 2018, Yeah, 2018. So when was it that you sat down? You said, Oh, you, you said two years.
1: Yeah. It was January, 2016.
0: January, 2016. And so I want to highlight this because sometimes we hear it took two years. Sometimes we hear maybe the same amount, five years. Sometimes, you know, it all depends. But really how I see it, because is the time that you actually made the decision and actually got to work? Because I know for us, my husband had student loans and that was like you, he he felt like it was a burden. He brought it into the marriage. I came into the marriage with no debt. And I'm like, your husband, I was like, well, we'll pay it off together, you know, that type Mm -hmm. of thing. Mm -hmm. And it took us years. It took us a long time. But for those listening that are working to pay off debt right now, sometimes if you're thinking, oh my gosh, it's taking me forever. You also have to look at what you are doing, because we may not have been paying off aggressively that student loans, but we were also not getting into debt for like larger purchases. Mm -hmm. So that money would be going to other things to prevent more debt. And then once we're at a point where we're like, this is the time we're going to get serious and we're going to tackle it, it took us like four years Mm -hmm. or something like that. So, I share that because the time is so different. And I want you listening to acknowledge that if you feel like it's taking forever, recognize what you are doing with the money that is serving you. So, I just wanted to bring that up. Now, Debbie, you also have, and you mentioned your YouTube channel. What are the main focuses of your YouTube channel? Because you're a money coach, obviously, talk money, but are there certain focuses,
1: themes that you really talk about more on your YouTube channel? Yes. So my YouTube channel, first of all, it came about in such a funny way because it was now it's January, 2019. And I just felt like I was busting with all this information of how we paid off our debt in two years. I like, I don't know if it's the Hispanic way that I was brought up, but my parents always told me like, you never talk politics, religion, or money. And so I was like, I was kind of busting. I said to my husband, I said, I want to help people. I want to help people like there's so many people out there that are where I was or worse. And I want to help them. And so I said to him, I said, I think I want to start a YouTube channel because I hadn't heard about money coaching or anything like that. And so he was like, yeah, that sounds amazing. So I did my research. Two weeks later, I started my YouTube channel. And it was really about like showing people how I did it. So like, every video is you know like taking another part of your expenses and seeing what you can do like i have a video a uh, two videos now on making phone calls and reducing your expenses with your providers meal planning is huge. Anytime that you talk about saving money on groceries, especially the prices now that are so crazy, oh my gosh. <laughs> it's insane. Anytime I talk about groceries, like I know, like I'm going to get a lot of comments and people are going to be like telling me like, yes, thank you. Thank you. So when I started my YouTube channel and I started talking about like different ways to save money, I started getting calls, not calls, direct messaging on Instagram and emails. And they're like, can you help me? Can you help me? And I was helping people for free for like almost two years. And then one day I'm listening to a podcast and they were talking about money coaching. And I was like, what's that? (laughs) And then I realized I've been money coaching for free for the past two years. I had no idea. And so I was like, I'm doing this. And now I just feel so fulfilled because I always felt like there was like something missing. I don't know, like if you can relate, like something that I feel like I was meant to do, I wasn't doing yet. And then now in reflection, it's like everything I went through, got me to a place where I'm helping so many people that were where I was. Right. But it all started with my YouTube channel. So I'm very grateful to that audience. Yeah. And they still email me now. I'm still in touch with previous clients for free from YouTube that I did. It's my way of helping people as much as possible. Just be a little aware you know, like I don't want to overwhelm them. That's what I like about YouTube in five or 10 minutes. I can help you with something.
0: Absolutely. And your YouTube channel is how Debbie saves. Yes, Debbie, this has been so fantastic. As usual, I enjoy talking to you. And it was good having you. Thank you so much for taking time and joining this conversation today.
1: Oh, no, thank you so much for having me. It's always a pleasure talking to you. Thank you. sure that
0: after getting to know Debbie, you have an appreciation as to why I love her so much. It's like when you are around her, you feel safe and happy. She gives that kind of vibe, right? Okay, pop quiz. Did you catch what that one thing is that you must do to get your financial voice back? As well as being a step closer to get out of that toxic, abusive relationship, This action is so simple to do, but at the same time, it's hard to implement because of what we are feeling, all the emotions. And that action, drum roll, is asking for help. When you are in a relationship like Debbie was, it's not easy to do in terms of asking for help because you can experience feelings of shame and guilt because you're thinking, I'm here going to ask my family for help, but they don't know what I'm going through and they're going to think I made a dumb decision and you have these feelings of shame and guilt. But we need to set those feelings aside and ask for help anyway. Remember that those close to you want the best for you and will help you. Think of this asking for help as a practice of using your financial voice and strengthening it there's nothing wrong with asking for help no matter who you are we all need help in different times of our lives if you are fortunate like me and are in a situation like Debbie was, you still can strengthen your financial voice with asking for help. Maybe you are struggling to pay off debt or you're wanting to save more for retirement or you're tired living paycheck to paycheck. Asking for help from people like Debbie is powerful because it allows someone who does not have an emotional tie to your finances to look at your situation with a fresh perspective and help you see things that you didn't see before. Because when you are frustrated, overwhelmed, it's just hard to see things or simple shifts that you can make. And it is what it is. That's why it's important to ask for help. You can connect with Debbie over at Instagram forward slash how Debbie saves. So you just search how Debbie saves on Instagram. I will also have that linked up in the show notes. If you love this episode in this conversation, I would love it if you do two simple things. That is to share and review. Please share this episode with one person and review the podcast on Apple Podcasts. And you can also review it on Spotify. Not like, you know, writing a review, but you can review it as and give it up to five stars. We also make it easy for you by going to the resources section of today's episode. You can go there and it'll guide you as to how you can submit a review. If you do that and email us at support at with the screenshot of the review, we will put it in our drawing for a free month of our membership, Financially Strong Circle. If you're not familiar with Financially Strong Circle, you can learn more at jenhemphill.com forward slash membership. Next week, it is just you and I, and we will be talking about this inflation that we have experiencing and what I called our household inflation number, what it is and why it's important to know in navigating these super crazy times. Bueno, pues, that is everything. Thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to join us. You can check out the show notes over at jenhempillcom forward slash 318. That's jenhempillcom forward slash 318. Remember that being the reign of your money starts now simply by claiming it. I believe in you and so should you. Nos hablaremos el próximo jueves. Chao.